So last year I started doing this thing and I, you know, I welcomed a couple of friends who are singers and songwriters like me. And, you know, the idea was to recreate a sort of virtual music venue where we would talk about songwriting and, you know, sing original music, independent original music. And the reason why I decided to start this thing is because I, I think people find it interesting to find out more, you know, about the songs we sing and sometimes, you know, digging into the songwriting process is kind of interesting. So Amelia Ray, an amazing songwriter from San Francisco, she is going to tell us something about her music and, you know, something about her career and her songwriting process. All right. And here we go. Welcome, Amelia. Hi. So, Amelia, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's uh, really a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Just uh, having a relaxing, mostly relaxing Saturday. Yeah. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> okay. So, um, maybe would you like to present yourself? I'm originally from San Francisco, well, the San Francisco Bay Area, but spent uh, the part of my adult life in the States I lived in San Francisco. Uh, and the rest of the time I've lived in various places in Europe. And now I'm in Finland. And uh, I am I am the constant traveler of the song and the video. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I imagined. Yes, the song is, it is about the fact that you traveled a lot mm -hmm. throughout your life, isn't it? Yeah. It's not only about me. I mean, there's this fictionalized uh, character who's, who's, you know, solitary and alone. And I'm not quite, quite that alone and solitary, but uh, it's a country song, so it had to be sad. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you have you had to respect the yeah. you know the, the standard. Yes. <laughs> so Pepe says I'm half Finn. Oh. There you go. All right. So Pepe's <laughs> from Sweden. If, if I you believe. swim in circles. There you go. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Sorry, Pepe. You just be Pepe's in Sweden or Pepe? I thought Pepe is Italian. Half. No, Pepe. I know. I know. I, I mean, I call I call Pepe Pepe, but I'm not even sure that's the right way to pronounce oh. the name, you know, because as I said, as I said earlier, I always mess up names. <laughs> so, you know, but, but I think Pepe <laughs> kind of gave up uh, on this. <laughs> OK, it's right. OK, it's right. It's right. Um, a fish joke. I, yes. <laughs> that was a good joke. Um, I guess I don't know. For, from my point of view, I think. What I want to know is how how is life in Finland and how does, you know, someone from California uh, live in Finland? Like, how, how, how are you finding it? How do you... Uh, I really like it. What do you it. think of it? It's, now, to be fair, I've lived here almost two years. And one of those years, more than one of those years, has been, uh, you know, COVID years. So I don't have much input on the state of society or culture here. Um, but the little that I did see before lockdown, uh, I, I enjoyed. There's a lot of um, really diverse music scene here. I think one of the first concerts I went to was in the lobby of a hotel. And it was an acoustic duo, folk music, folk pop. 
and then uh you know a week later i went to see a um an, a jazz fusion band and i've seen metal bands and um and 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 i mean you know good good quality uh performances at at nice venues at differing sizes um there was a, i went to a couple of outdoor festivals a couple of years ago that were really nice just local you know free things in, in the park and they were all really great uh so pepe says finnish is hard to learn oh yes uh it yeah i yeah. guess it is so do you do you speak finnish now emilia i mean do you uh i i you can get it? around i study quite a bit i study two three hours a day mm. um sometimes more when i have time and uh it is it is difficult but i'm kind of I'm I'm at a point now where I don't fight it. Uh I'm I I love learning languages, but I'm always the student raising their hand in the class and asking why. I I <laughs> I want to know why I I have a problem just accepting things, you know. And so I kind of slow down the class with my grammar questions. I think I've met my match with Finnish. Um there is no why. or there might be a why but the time it takes to understand the why is yeah, it's not. is <laughs> not worth it it's just just <laughs> memorize it and move on so maybe if you want to tell us something about your experience as a cruise ships musician some fun Uh, well, it doesn't have to be fun. I, I you know, it's <laughs> whatever you feel like. <laughs> the the islands are nice. Um going to places and when you visit them, you know, the same islands every week, then you you get to find things off the beaten path, you know, away from the the mm. tourist spots if there are places like that, if you have access to them because some of the mm. islands pretty much not that they only exist for tourism but they their services are really geared towards that so if you wander too far away you might not find open shops or a restaurant or something like that all right you were in the caribbean right yes yeah okay mm -hmm. and the first ship i was on was my favorite well the itinerary was my favorite because we went to we did the eastern caribbean so saint martin and all the way down to Curacao and Aruba uh, and Bonaire. Nice. Yeah, it was really <laughs> nice. It was an experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard um contrasting opinions mm -hmm. on that kind of experience, but I guess you you get a bit of both, both in yeah. the positive and the negative side is in the negative side yeah. as with everything in life, but um so so how many languages do you speak by the way? I'm fluent in French, Spanish and English. Um mm -hmm. I have my, my degrees in French. I studied French at university. And um self-taught Dutch, Italian. So those levels are a little bit lower, but I can read um and sort of follow the, you know, news programs and some films that sort of thing in Dutch and Italian. Nice. Um, Dutch and Italian are both quite difficult languages. So Well, yeah, the Italian, Italian Yeah, language. you're Italian, you know. It is. It's such <laughs> a beautiful language though. And I I I became obsessed with learning it, but I wanted to read uh, Oriana Fallaci in Italian. So that's why mm -hmm. I I 
I was determined to learn so that I could read her her novels and into. I read one of her books. Mm. Yeah. She's um yeah, she was quite she was a good journalist. Yeah. Um by the way, for people who don't know who Oriana Fallaci is, she was a journalist from Tuscany, actually, from Florence. And yeah, um she was a feminist in the seventies. So interesting life. Anyway, <laughs> I'm digressing. As usual. Like that's that's the thing about me. I get distracted so easily, by the way. <laughs> do you want to reply to that, Amelia? So how do we find the, the inspiration, you know, to write music now that we are Oh, well, you know, this, we, the we same, can travel and meet people. The same <laughs> places we found it before we were old enough to travel and meet people. I mean, you know, you, you get your inspiration from books, from things you see at the grocery store, from watching a bird hop from one tree to the next, and you give the bird a name, and you think about what the bird's favorite color might be, and does the bird get bored, you know? Um, so... The not being able to travel hasn't hasn't stymied uh, my creativity at all. Yeah, uh, I take inspiration from TV series, guys, as you know. <laughs> 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 and yeah, so there there are ways to to boost your inspiration, even if you don't actually, you know, uh, travel or meet people outside your, you know, your usual. Uh, circle, <laughs> family, friends, and so so on. Obviously, if you have stories about the road to tell, well, that's interesting. But sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you just nah. need to look it's inward or, you know. Yeah, they're often all the same story anyway. I mean, the, the, the road <laughs> stories, you know. So overrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree. I kind of agree, actually. <laughs> so um, since you, you said you, you speak Spanish fluently, uh, as well. I know you wrote a song in Spanish. I, um, Do you want to tell us something about it? Yeah. I I taught English in Madrid for many years and uh, I mostly taught adults in business classes. So I was teaching mm -hmm. them uh, idioms in English. Uh, things like um, the grass is always greener on the other side. That sort of thing. And then we you would get to this sort of um, you'd reach an impasse where they wouldn't understand and then one person in the class would and they would translate it and say whatever the equivalent was in Spanish. And everybody would go, oh, yes, yes. And then I said, well, what is that? I've never heard that in Spanish. So we had this exchange of idioms and I wrote them down and I had, you know, this papers and papers with all of these Spanish sayings and I thought, oh, I should, I should do something with them. Some of them are quite old you know, antiquated things that people don't say anymore, but they were really funny. And um, then there was <laughs> the, this woman who was the mayor of Madrid, Ana Botella, and she wasn't a very good mayor. And and the Madrid was trying was vying for the Olympics. I don't remember which year, but she made this video for the Olympic Committee. And she was adamant that she, she was going to speak in English, even though her English wasn't all the way good. So she <laughs> made this video. It reminds me of an, of an Italian <laughs> politician. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you about it later. Later. Okay. And <laughs> so it was, you know, in, in English, and then she would slip into Spanish words. And this was the official video, to, you know, to say, please let the Olympics come to Madrid. So it was a bit of an embarrassment. And at one point, she she was showing off the Plaza Mayor, which is the main square in Madrid. And she said, yes, and in the Plaza Mayor, you can sit and enjoy a relaxing cup of café con leche. 
<laughs> and she said it really fast, you know, like, just, so that was kind of the blooper of the season. So I decided to write a song about her using these very funny and antiquated idioms, Spanish phrases that I had learned from my students. So <laughs> Nice, that's, that's a very nice inspiration. <laughs> has a creator's block uh, question so how do we have you have we ever experienced it and how did we overcome it do you want to start replying Amelia do you want to go first mm, yeah uh, I guess I have <laughs> creator's two. block now no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking when I've had it what have I done and I think one of two things um, I wait and sometimes it's years I've had a song I've been working on for a really long time, eight years or something like that. And I can't finish it because I'm missing one word. And it has to be the right word. And it hasn't come to me yet. So it's, it's like um, the rest of the song, I mean, the arrangements there and the parts, and I hear it in my head, and it goes like this, and then the you know, and, and uh, it just sits there like on the shelf in my brain. But uh, in other cases, I've been impatient and I just put any word in there. You know, like I want to finish this song and I want to sing this song, so I'm going to put that word. But normally what happens when I do that is that when I'm singing and I get to that word, I get a funny feeling inside. Like, hmm. As if everyone in the world knows that that's not the word <laughs> they're shade they're looking at me like oh ray why did you pick that word um so <laughs> so so it depends it depends on the some songs you know you don't you aren't as serious about you can be a little bit more lighthearted with uh but but the one that i've been writing for eight years it's it all comes down to this word, I, you know, like the whole feeling of the song. That's how it feels to me. So I just have to wait. Um, I it don't have sense. any. Yeah. I don't have any, you know, solutions like stand on my head or drink a cup of lemon water or anything. Then like things come to you. I don't know. Generally, just put it aside and go do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to 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 just let your songs sit for a while and just, you know, forget about them. Uh, when, when, you know, when, when you feel like it isn't working, like, as you said, like, you know, when you're looking for a specific word that, you know, doesn't come and any word you add, don't think, you know, don't seem, don't seem to work. Yeah. Then I think the best you can do really is to, you know, leave it there for a while and just get back to it after a lot of time mm -hmm. there's something i wanted to tell to ask you although it's not like we, we didn't talk about it but uh okay i'm italian so my native language is italian and your native language is english but we both write songs in different languages too uh so i guess it would be interesting to kind of reflect a bit about um the process of writing a song 
in a language which is not your own language. Mm -hmm. So how, I don't know, how, how do you approach this? Do you, do you find it natural? Like, for example, when you, when you wrote that song in Spanish, I'm not going to say the title because I'm going to mess up the pronunciation, <laughs> guys. So, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so how, how did it, how did you develop it? Did you, uh, did you have to put more effort? Did it come naturally? What, how, how does it work? I have to think now, it's been a while. I had these, these phrases, like I said, from my students. So they, I kind of put those in an order to tell us, tell the story. And then it was fleshing it out. I was certainly more, more concerned about you know getting the grammar right and and knowing how much wiggle room I I had to leave words out like the Tom Petty don't song don't come around here no more okay. mm -hmm. grammatically incorrect and the and the you is sort of implied it doesn't sing it or I, or whoever, doesn't sing it. But that's something you know you can do in English, and it works just fine, and it will be understood. You know, so if you're writing a song, mm -hmm. and he, as a native speaker, you're writing, oh, yeah, I can, do, I can say, don't come around here no more, no problem. But in Spanish, I had to question these choices. You know, can I say that? Is it appropriate? And you know, call people and say, hey, can I, if I sing this, what do you understand? Even though my Spanish was... Fine. I mean, I worked as a as a translator, but there's still, you know, it's it's different kind of writing. So, um, mm -hmm. so that was that was difficult. I mean, I've been working on a song in Dutch for a few years too, and it and it's the same thing. It when I write, it seems very sterile. It's very textbook, academic writing style, and then I have to go back and make it feel more. <laughs> Yeah. not be as rigid yeah it reminds me of uh screenwriting so i know mm. for example doubler here doubler is a writer okay so we i think we talked about it already during one of my twitch streams uh because in my spare time i i really like writing screenplays okay don't ask me why mm -hmm. but yeah that's how it goes not novels not well stories too but mostly screenplays for movies okay or tv series that's my medium and um and there's a rule like in screenwriting you really can't uh use sort of, you know, fake language, like you have to use the language the character would use. Mm -hmm. So if you have an American character, you know, from a certain area, whatever, uh, then you have to research how <laughs> the language works in that area, you know, yeah. how that character would say what you are trying to say. And so as an Italian person, of course, mm -hmm. uh, kind of fail, uh, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> but, um, but with songs, you know, we, I guess that's that's a bit of the same process with songs because you you know your language must be um natural must feel natural mm -hmm. and sometimes when you use a language which is not your own it could come off as um yeah academic mm -hmm. as you said yeah so yeah I totally agree although for some weird reason I actually find it uh easier to write in in English than Italian but I guess that's because Italian <laughs> has very long words and as you said about that Tom Petty song you know in English you can work your way around the grammar mm -hmm. sometimes and in songs it would still make sense mm -hmm. in Italian it would just sound like you don't, you don't know, know the grammar exactly <laughs> <laughs> so it's just you know it's just bad like anyway <laughs> would you like to share how 
you decided at some point to get into music? What what pushed you to pursue a career in music? What pushed you to start songwriting? You know, your songwriting journey. I I don't, I've never done anything else. I mean, I've had other jobs, but I've never not done music. Mm -hmm. Since I was a a child, I've made music and written songs. So I don't, there was no before. (laughs) There was, it just, it just is. I didn't, I always had this idea that I wanted to be a rock star, but I never set my life up on that path. It was sort of just something that, oh, one day this is going to happen and that's what I'll do. But in the meantime, I've got to go to university, get a job, you know, things completely unrelated to music for some reason. I mean, I was in film school for a while, Hmm. Um, but I never, never bothered to study music. It was just... It's it's really bizarre to think of now I, how I just didn't do that. It didn't occur to me, you know. Um, it was a natural, like yeah, a, a I natural guess thing, so. like part of you. Yeah, and also, you know, you have this thing that everybody tells you 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 can't make a living at it, so you have to have something to fall back on. You know? mm, so I did yeah. all of that, <laughs> and. Um, and the funny thing is now I'm, you know, I'm 44. I have no skills that would get me a job outside of music. You know, I used to be in the tech industry. That was 20 years ago. I'd, ha- I'd have to start all over again, you know, to get a mm-hmm. career that wasn't in music. And I just sort of found myself in the last five years with a music career. I, I'm a full-time musician. Sometimes I still wake up and I'm... I'm I gotta get a job, you know? I'm like, no, you have a job. <laughs> you know, I have to convince yeah. myself. And I've been doing this I've, full-time for five years now. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I totally... Yeah, it's, it's a little I bizarre. Can <laughs> <laughs> but that I means can I was, yeah. I guess I was right when I was a kid and was like, oh, it will just happen one day. <laughs> so now now yeah. that that day is here, I'm just, I'm kind of in shock, I guess. <laughs> and And the funny thing is, is it, we still have this, you know, I mean, we as a general population have this goal of like, that's when you make it, when you're Mick Jagger or Madonna. But at the same time, we don't want anybody we know to become those people or what we think those people are. You know, that lifestyle is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's just drugs and sex and rock and roll. You know, so <laughs> like, yeah. you tell me on the one hand that this is the success, like this means I've made it. And then on the other hand, I'm not supposed to do that at all. So it's um, it's yeah, confusing. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, but there are so many things you could do. You could be a producer. You could be a session guitarist. I mean, it just and those opportunities always were there. Perhaps not. Perhaps, but definitely more so for men in the past than for women. But they were always yeah. there. There were always session musicians and songwriters and people who weren't didn't have their face on the cover of the album. Shall we get into the nitty gritty? So do you want to tell us something about your usual songwriting process, if you have any? Now, I know this is very, like, it's it's kind of a tough question because it 
at least for me, uh, my songwriting approach changes every time I write a new song. Yeah. <laughs> so it probably, you know, that's 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 why it's so hard to reply to that. But if you have any anything uh, to say about that, any recurring, I generally start routines. with the music just because I I will get uh, I often get music stuck in my head, you know, online um, when I'm practicing scales. Another reason why it's extremely hard to study music theory. <laughs> is that <laughs> when I'm practicing scales, I hear songs. So in the middle of practicing my scales, I think, oh, that's beautiful. What is that? And then I'm gone for half an hour. So normally I have a bunch of music around. Sometimes I, you know, just put the voice memo thing or whatever. Um, and then eventually, sometimes I will think of a story to go with it. I think about what the music feels like or... Um, or maybe I'll see something I want to write about, and then I pick one of these unused music bits that I've created. Uh, th normally, that's how it happens. It's rare that I get lyrics without music. Another thing I wanted to ask you is, uh, did your travelings around the world somehow influence your songwriting? I mean, we, we, we listen to the song Constant Traveler, so maybe... Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hint. That, that definitely <laughs> does. Um, yeah, I mean, every, everything influences songwriting. Sometimes I think about writing a song about a place. Um, I'm sure I have, you know, dozens of lines about Paris and springtime <laughs> and walking along, the, you know, whatever, uh, that'll never get used. Um, but a lot of times it comes from books. In fact, my next album is based upon a, a an Icelandic novel. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us something about it? Yeah, it was. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I was at a residency in Eastern Iceland in two thousand eight, and I read this wow. novel while I was there, and it it's a very short novel. It took couple days to read and after I'd finished it the following morning I woke up with this song in my head and I thought oh yeah I want to write a song about this book so but once I started writing the song I realized it was a song just about it was sort of a conversation between two characters in the book it didn't tell the entire mm -hmm. story so I thought well I wonder if I could write you know an album write a song you know, that would tell this entire story of this novel. So that's what I worked on while I was at the residency. And I finished the most of the songs. Uh, and I think I finished all of the songs within six months or something. And then a couple of years after that, recorded them with a drummer and a bassist. And then um, a lot of the files, the tracks that we recorded were lost. No. Yes. And so that was no. very heartbreaking. And I just have spent, you know, the last 11, 9, 10 years, 10 years, kind of piecing it back together, piecing my broken heart back together. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh my gosh. but because it's, it's quite a, it's quite a, a project. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful project because of the, the songs that go with the story. And um, 
it means a lot to me. But also, one of the reasons it's taken such a long time is because everything I've produced, most everything I've produced until uh, until last year, was uh, uh, pretty unprofessional. You know, I've recorded it myself, I mixed it myself. Uh, if I couldn't mm -hmm. afford to have someone mix it, I think only one of them was mastered by someone else. Um, and you know, it's nice. It's a good feeling to have your music out there. But listening to that stuff now, it's like I, you know, I'm like the songs are great, but I don't want to listen. To <laughs> you know, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm glad that people like it. But I'm like, and I, I mean, I do enjoy listening to it. But I do listen to it. And I'm like, if only you know, you taken the time or waited or saved the money or whatever. So. I don't want to do that again, and I'm not going to do it with this album. So I've kind of just been waiting until, you know, it's it's something like $10,000 it takes to properly, because it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a rock album, and, you know, the other, the guitar overdubs, there are like eight, ten guitars on each track, and, you know, every, every part of the drum kit is mic, you know, so they're just hundreds and hundreds of tracks. It's, it's a really big mixing project. And I want it to sound good, yeah. you know. So, uh, so that's been, been uh, the the struggle, the uphill battle. But but I'm determined to release it in uh, I think November, December, at the latest. I want to be a winter nice. release. Jake Wood and uh, the 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 percussionist with whom I collaborated on, on that. We say that it's the catchiest song you're not allowed to sing. Like you shouldn't sing out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as you will explain, it has some uh, controversial words yes. uh, and expressions. What what I found really interesting is how you mentioned, is, sorry, is how you managed to um, put together different musical genres in a song that only features your voice and a tambourine. Mm -hmm. So that's really like that's some good skill okay <laughs> so because you can definitely hear as you will hear guys uh you can you can really uh, spot the different genres okay section by section uh but there is only your voice and a tambourine mm -hmm. so how did you get there <laughs> uh, let me know because i want to get there too <laughs> Well, Jake Wood, who's a wonderful drummer, and, and we collaborate on a lot of uh, music together. Well, I was in the States last summer, and he said he had a, he had an opportunity to film a video with a professional uh, director and camera and, and you know, socially uh, distanced and everything. Mm -hmm. And he would play the, the pandero, and I could sing. And since it was going to be live, there couldn't be any other instruments because we only had the camera from the, you know, the, just the mic, and we we had to be outside. So the instrumentation was already limited to just voice and the pandero. So he he was all, you know, I want to do something social justice, you know, and and of course it was. Um, Right after the George Floyd killings and all of the riots and everything in the in the states mm -hmm. were still going on, uh, I wasn't really certain that I wanted to process any of that in song, but he was rather insistent, and so I thought, okay, I'll I'll 
give it a try because I'm here, you know, for a couple months. Uh, what else am I going to do? And, you know, we've mm -hmm. got this camera <laughs> and, and that's what he wants to do. So I, um, I'm trying to remember now how I came up with the, the, I started thinking about things that black Americans are called, you know, the racist mm. derogatory terms. And I don't know how I got to that. But I just started thinking of all the many, many words that there are, you know, to refer to, to black people from all over the world. But um, I wanted to try to limit it specifically to terms that you would hear in the States. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about which ones were current and which ones were sort of outdated. And I made a list of them and I put them in chronological order. And then I thought, oh, wouldn't it be <laughs> funny, in my dark sense of humor, to <laughs> sing this as a racist white man, it's a man character, um, using these terms and kind of go through, you know, uh, chronologically. So like you'd start in the way back time Mm -hmm. and then come yeah, to yeah. present day. And so then I thought, okay, well, I can't just, you know, stand there and go spade, 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 spade. You know, like you have to, have to be saying something. You know, there has to be some context. So then I thought, okay, that's not going to make me feel good if I just stand there and say a bunch of bad words. So <laughs> I've got to do something, like somehow use these words to do something. So then I thought, okay, what if I since I've already had the words in chronological order, what if I go through and sing about awful, terrible things, you know, massacres and injustices and killings that have happened in the United States, um, you know, most racially motivated killings at the hands of mm -hmm. white people that have happened to black people, but singing about it in this voice of a white man who's sort of complaining, you know, like, or or sort of washing his hands of it. Um, yeah. So that way I was telling a story, I was telling the history, but also framing it in this very absurd way uh, so that it wasn't just like, look at the bad things that happened to us. You know, so it sort of gave it a very... Uh, another way to look at it mm -hmm. and another I wanted people to feel uncomfortable that was because I felt uncomfortable so <laughs> um, yeah I mean yeah so then I had the words and I had my stories and then I thought well what are we going to do with this music <laughs> just singing it and having this tambourine and so I thought well we'll just sing them in the styles of music that was popular or that was you know coming about when these terms and these events were happening. So the mm -hmm. first uh, event, well, the first, first one's kind of general. It's not, it doesn't relate to a specific event, but it starts with sort of this um, field hand, Negro spiritual song, you know, feel. And then it goes into Appalachian, something you would hear, you know, Appalachian music. And then to, um, jazz and rock and roll and funk and rap.
Yeah, and the final part, yeah, which is rap. I woke up on New Year's <laughs> Eve with that stuck in my head, 2020's just a day away. And I was laughing because I was like, it's sh you should be saying to yourself, 2021's just a day away. But I couldn't bring myself to sing that. It didn't feel right. So then I thought, okay, what sort of song would that be that you're saying 2020's just a day away? So I thought, oh, I could go back in time and tell the people a year ago who are going out, getting ready to go out, you know, for New Year's Eve, I could go and warn them, say, something terrible is coming. And then, um, so I thought, okay, that would be fun. And then I thought about everything terrible that had happened during the year and sort of organized them in, in a song fashion. And then I thought how... I was growing tired of people saying, oh, I just can't wait for the new year to come as if everything was going to magically change, you know? Yeah. Like, what do you <laughs> think is going to be different? Like, you do know that time is arbitrary, right? Like, the numbers on the calendar. <laughs> so I, uh, Just a calendar. Yeah, it's just a calendar. Wow. Um, so then I thought that I would put a little bit at the end as a warning for the people who felt like, if they just closed their eyes and, you know, woke up on January 1st that everything would be better. No, you actually, nothing gets better unless we make it better. So, uh, so, I, so that was the little end of the song. And I just, no, I woke up and, uh, and I wrote it and, and made the video in six hours. I was like, that's just what I did on New Year's Eve. I, I couldn't think of anything else. Like, I have to do this. Because tomorrow will be too late. That's how I felt. You know, I can't put this song out tomorrow. It won't make any sense. <laughs> so, um, of course, it's a song about 2020. Exactly. And, you know, the transition. <laughs> so, yeah, it has to be. It has to be now. It has to be done today. Well, <laughs> Talking uh, about calendars. Yeah, yeah and the <laughs> funny thing is, like, I put it out. I just, you know, at some point in the evening, put on Facebook. Like, I made this video. It's on YouTube here. And then... Um, didn't really think about it. And then Patreon contacted me a couple of weeks ago and they said, oh, we want to feature this video for Black, I forget what it was, Black Music Month, I guess, is next month. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently okay. it is. So like, we want to okay. feature okay. this video. And I thought for sure, they just sent me a link. I thought for sure it was Hambone. So I was like, oh yeah, of course. You know. And I clicked on the link and it was this song. And I thought, where do they find this? Like, why do they want this song? <laughs> this song is out of date. Like, this song is only valid for one. There's only one day that this song makes any sense. So, <laughs> so I said, okay, yeah, sure. And then I thought, well, now I, I've got to make a single because if people watch this video, they'll say, well, I want to hear that. Where can I get that song? So, so I, now there's going to be a single release in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but it's funny. It's just the song that you know, almost wasn't, I guess. And it's now, the, the songs all have some potential. Some of them are just dated and old, you know, stuff I wrote in high school that's pointless and worthless. But some of them don't have a home. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I'm not really big on releasing singles just to release something, you know, like the Marooned was timely because it, it had to go out on New Year's Eve. And Hambone said was timely for, you know, the, the current events. Um, so I find I have a lot of songs that don't belong on an album and the album has to have a feel of a package. You know, it can't just be a bunch of random songs put together. It can't just be like, oh, now I have 12 songs. I'm going to put out an album. You know, the, yeah. it has to be a collection <clears throat> of sounds or story or, or mood or something. So there are often a lot of orphan songs that don't have an album yet. Calvo, question. Would you like to find those orphan songs to have a common theme around them so you would find a reason to release them? Uh, no, not just to release them. I mean, if it, if it's, if it happens organically, if they find each other and then they make sense, then that's okay. Um, also, sometimes this has happened at least twice before. You have a song, it's finished, it's got music and lyrics, and it's an orphan, it's just over there. Sometimes maybe you play it live, but for the most part, it's just. Mm -hmm. And then you work on something later, and you think, oh, that music from that one song would really go well here. So you take that song, and you strip the lyrics away, and you put new lyrics on them. Sometimes that yes. happens. Or, or the other way around. Uh, you know, you take the lyrics and put the music aside, which is, no, I was going to say that's better, but it doesn't matter because then when you play them live, you have to remember not to sing the old <laughs> lyrics. Sing the yeah, <laughs> that's confusing. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> now that's what... Um... They're Frankenstein songs. Oh yeah, Calvo, songs, exactly. Frankenstein songs. <laughs> yes, you know what? Tom Waits actually referred to Frankenstein songs at some point, and he, he said that in his songwriting process, he, he does a lot of Frankensteining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that word exists. But, yeah. Oh, it does. Um, it does now. Meanwhile, thank you so much, Amelia, for being here today. Thank uh, you. I had a lot of fun. Me. Thanks. Me too. Thank you, Amelia. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Enjoy your evening. You too. And see you soon. See you.